right, good morning. We're going to kick off out of Psalms 80. It's something that is, will figure prominently today in today's um, a meeting event that we're having together. And that's the lily. Um, and I don't know how much you've like really engaged in scripture with the lily. But there was a, there's a, there's a passage in Psalms 45 and, it, and they say, set to the tune of the lilies. And uh, you probably are mindful now when I'm speaking of the lily is, is the place of purity or is, is the symbol of purity. But also you remember it says Solomon, right? You remember this passage? Right, Solomon and all his, and everything that he had and what he was about and what he had going on for himself and his family, that he wasn't even arrayed like this lily, which we are. That might be incomprehensible for the king who's the, they say he was worth $122 trillion. His daddy was worth had contributed like 23 billion dollars to build the house of the Lord to build the temple but his son Solomon valued at about 122 trillion the GDP of the United States of America can't even tithe on that with 350 to 400 million people working every day can't even produce a tithe of Solomon's wealth and yet the lily Even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like this. Why? Because what God has prepared, what he's prepared, he is going to glorify the sons and daughters because of what Jesus did at the cross. He paid for our complete redemption and our full restoration. We've been in a reformation but welcome to the restoration of all things. Jesus paid for all things to be restored and that we would be fully restored back to the Father. And so even no matter how great the might of men may be, the greatness of power, wealth, dominion, and nothing can compare to the tune that is set to the lilies, the family of the flower. This is us. This is everyone who, everyone who has the Lord by the Holy Spirit living in us. It's incomprehensible what we shall be. It does not yet appear. But listen, now there's a coming and appearing of the Lord to us. And who we are is becoming more clear that he named you, that he names us. There's coming a clarity that's starting to come to us as his people, a clarity of who you are, 1 John 3, 2. It has not yet appeared, but now the clarity is beginning to come to us. Our name is being made clear to us. What does that mean? The Lord's appearing is getting closer and closer at hand. The eyes of the Lord are shining down on us again. And then so the Lord would say, uh, old lily of the valley, you know. So Psalms 80, a psalm of Asaph for the music leader to the tune, the lilies of the agreement. <laughs> the lilies of the agreement. 
Here's the tune of Psalms chapter 80. Shepherd of Israel, you lead the descendants of Joseph and you sit on your throne above the winged creatures. Listen to our prayer and let your light shine. For the tribes of Ephraim, Benjamin and Manasseh, save us by your power. Our God, make us strong again and smile on us and save us. Lord God, all-powerful, how much longer will the prayers of your people make you angry? We've had tears for food and you made us drink them by the bowlful. But because of, and because of you even, our enemies who live nearby, they've laughed and joked about us. Our God, make us strong again. Smile on us. We were like a grapevine you brought out of Egypt. You chased other nations away and you planted us here. Then you cleared the ground and we put our roots in deep, spreading over the land. Shade from this vine covered the mountains, its branches climbed the mighty cedars and stretched to the sea and new growth reached to the river. Our Lord, why have you torn down the wall from around the vineyard? You let everyone who walks by pick the grapes. Now the vine's been gobbled up by pigs from the forest and other wild animals. God all-powerful, please do something about this. Look down from heaven, Lord, and see what's happening to this vine. With your own hands, you planted its roots and you've raised it as your very own. Enemies chopped the vine down and set it on fire. Now show your anger and destroy them. But help the one who sits at your right side, the one whom you raised to be your very own. We're not going to turn away. I'm not turning away from you, Lord. All the idolatry of the soul, all the adultery of the human heart, I don't want to have anything to do with it, Lord. I don't want AI anymore. I don't want the place of ruins. I want you, Lord. I want you, Lord. I want you, Lord, more than my own life. I want you, Lord. I pray today that you would put this new life in us, this eternal life. And listen, we are going to worship you, Father. Lord God, all-powerful, make us strong again. Smile down on us and save us. Amen.
light of you.
Come and sit here, come and sit here, come and sit here, take over all the thrones. We open up our hearts that you may come and come out. We open up our hearts, the gates to this realm, oh. We open up our hearts, come now, come now. Each of you is an ark, an ark of covenants. Each of you, each of you, each of you is an ark, an ark of covenants. Open up your hearts, open up your gates. Let him come now. Come and sit in the thrones. Come and sit in your throne. Come and sit in the throne. Thrones, the thrones. Come and sit in the throne. We surrender. We surrender now. We surrender. We surrender now. All our plans and places we think we have authority. We surrender to you, God, now. my hope in him again 
the word himself the word himself that holds together praise him i will praise him again and again i will praise him i will praise him again and again i will praise him i will praise him again and again i will praise him walked into the room in the midst of the assembly and this is what I saw something that looked like burning coals of fire like torches darting back and forth among the living beings the fire was bright and there was lightning flashing from the fire the living beings ran to and fro like bolts of lightning. I kept looking. Oh! 
and there was one wheel on the earth. I kept looking, and there was one wheel on the earth. It's Ezekiel chapter 1. not Sinai. This is not Sinai. We have no need to be afraid. Oh, this is not Sinai. This is not Sinai. We have no need to be afraid. Come boldly to the throne. Come boldly to the lightning. Come boldly to the thundering. Come boldly to the voice of your Father. Come boldly, come boldly, come boldly, come boldly. Spirit and the bride say come. Spirit and the bride say come. Spirit and the bride say come, come. Oh, Spirit and the bride say come. Spirit and the bride say come, O oh, husband of ours, husband, oh, husband. Obadiah 17, but on Mount Zion there will be a remnant of those who escape, and it will be a holy place once again. The descendants of Jacob will conquer those who had conquered them. The descendants of Jacob will be a fire, and the descendants of Joseph a flame. Fire, fire, Lord, cause the flame to rise. Bring out your flame, Lord. Oh, in our midst, Lord. No more stubble in the house. Flame flash forth. Fire! Oh, Lord, 
we'll praise him again and again and again and again. I will sing his name and speak his name again and again and again. Psalms 39, I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I will not sin with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle, while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence, and I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred but my heart started to get hot within me while I was musing and I was thinking and I was silent the fire burned Psalms 110.1, the Lord said to my Lord, sit until your enemies become your footstool. While I was sitting there, looking at the Lord, looking at me, looking at the Lord, looking through my heart at him while he looked at me. I began to realize that all my enemies that were trying to encroach upon me had no more power over me. Because my eyes beheld the one. My eyes behold you, Lord. I behold you, Lord. Lift up my eyes from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I am the author and finisher. I got your narrative story. I'm designing it, and I designed you for me. I've got you. I am the author and finisher. I am Hashem, your father. I've got you, I've got you, I've got you, says the Lord. I see your beginning and your end. I am the olive top. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. And I began to behold you, Lord. And I began to look up at you, Lord. All my enemies all around me. Nothing to you, Lord. You're not wringing your hands, Lord. You have the oil of gladness above all your brethren. And joy struck my soul. And I realized. 
Somebody said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You have the oil of gladness. And madness left me. And sadness left me. As I beheld you, Lord. I was looking at you, Lord. I'm looking at you, Lord. My eyes behold you, Lord, beholding me. Lord says to us, send out the rod. Send out the rod of your strength. Let the government of God come. Scatter our enemies from the east and the north, the west and the south. A wall of fire around Zion, your holy mount. I can praise you, Lord. I agree with your testimonies are true. Oh, you're righteous, Lord. You put your word in my mouth. yours, Lord, and everything you have is mine. Break out, break out. 
I will lift my eyes, keep my eyes on him. I will lift my eyes out of the darkness. If I am there, he is there. I will lift my eyes and look at him and look at him.
For behold, our bridegroom comes. Oh, for behold, 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 he comes. Oh, he's pressing through, he's pressing through. For behold, our bridegroom comes. Lord, make us ready now. Make us ready now, Lord. Make us ready now. Oh, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. Mm. Oh, make us ready. shepherds you who go as you're going up through the sheep folds to the hill if by chance you see him I love most tell him I'm sick I suffer and I die I'm seeking my love I will head for the mountains and for the water sides I'll not even gather flowers. I'll not fear the wild bees. I will go beyond strong men and frontiers. Oh, woods and thickets. David been planted by the hand of my beloved. Oh, green meadow, coated bright in flowers. Tell me, has he passed you by? 
Pouring out a thousand graces, he passed these graves in haste. And having looked at them with his image alone, clothed them in beauty. Oh, who has the power to heal me? Now wholly surrender yourself. Do not send me any more messengers. They can't even tell me what I must hear. All who are free, tell me a thousand graceful things of you. It all wounds me even more. It's left me feeling like I'm dying. Oh, I, I don't know what behind they're stammering. How do you endure a life not living where you live and being brought near death by the arrows you receive? from that which you conceive of your beloved. Why, since you wounded this heart, why don't you heal it? And why, since you stole it from me, do you leave it so and fail to carry off what you have stolen? Extinguish these miseries, since no one else can stamp them out. And may my eyes behold you, because you are their light. And I would open them to you alone. Reveal your presence. And may the vision of your beauty be my death. For the sickness of love is not cured except by your very presence and image. Yeah. Oh, spring like crystal. If only, oh, your slivered, silvered, overed faces, you would suddenly form the eyes I have desired, which I hear sketch deep within my heart. Would draw them, beloved? I am taking flight, bridegroom. Return, dove, to the wounded stag. Is in sight on the hill by the breeze of your flight the bride my beloved the mountains the lonely wooded valleys strange islands and resounding rivers the whistling of love stirring breezes the tranquil night at the time of the rising dawn silent music sounding solitude this supper that refreshes and deepens love for our vineyard is now in flower while we fashion a cone of roses intricate as the pines and let no one appear on the hill be still deadening north wind south wind come you that awaken love breathe through my garden let its fragrance flow and the beloved will feed amid the flowers you girls of judea while among flowers and roses the amber spreads its perfume stay away there on the outskirts do not so much as seek to touch our thresholds hide yourself my love Turn your face toward the mountains and do not speak. But look at those companions going with her through strange islands. The bridegroom, swift-winged birds, lions, stags, leaping rows, mountains, lowlands, river banks, waters, winds, and ardors, watching fear of night. By the pleasant lyres and the siren song, I conjure you to cease your anger and not touch the wall, that the bride may sleep in deeper peace. 
the bride has entered the sweet garden of her desire and she rests in delight rests in delight laying her neck on the gentle arms of her beloved beneath the apple tree there I took you for my own and there I offered you my hand and I'm restoring you where your mother was corrupted our bed is a flower hound round bound round with linking dens of lions hung with purple built up in peace and crowned with a thousand shields of gold I'm following your footprints maidens run along the way in touch of a spark the spice wine cause flowings in them from the bosom of God the, the bosom of God and in the inner wine cellar I drink of my beloved and I went abroad through all this valley and no longer knew anything I lost the herd that I was following and there he gave me his breast there he taught me the sweet and living knowledge and I gave myself to him I'm keeping nothing back there I promised to be his bride now I occupy my soul and all my energy in his service I no longer tend the herd nor have I any other work now that my every act is love if then I am no longer seen or found on the common you will say that I am lost that stricken by love I lost myself but now I'm found and with flowers and emeralds chosen on the cool mornings with we shall weave garlands flowering in your love and bound with one hair of mine you considered that one hair fluttering at my neck you gazed at it upon my neck and it captivated you and one of my eyes wounded you and when you looked at me your eyes imprinted your grace in me for this you love me ardently and thus my eyes deserve to adore what they beheld in you do not despise me, for if before you found me dark, how truly you can look at me, since you have looked and left me in grace and beauty. The small white dove has returned to the ark with the olive branch. And now the turtle dove has found its longed for mate by the green river banks. She lived in solitude and now in solitude has built her nest. In solitude he guides her, he alone who also bears in solitude the wound of love. Let us rejoice, beloved, and let us go forth to behold ourselves in your beauty. To this mountain and to the hill, to where the pure water flows, and further deep into this thicket. And then we will go on to the high caverns in the rock that are so well concealed, even in this hidden bluff. There we shall enter and taste the fresh juice of the pomegranates. There you will show me what my soul has been seeking. And then you will give me you, my life, and give me there what you gave me on that other day. The breathing of the air 
the song of the sweet nightingale, the grove and its living beauty and the serene light. With a flame, oh, flame of love that consummates us and is painless. No one looked at her, nor did a man, a da appear. The siege was still, and the cavalry. The sight of the waters that descended. If you only knew, said to the woman at the well, this water that I'll give you, life-giving water that will never be quenched, a life-giving water that will flow forever.
telling Stephen I um, every time you think it can't get any better than this and then he does oh, you know you feel like you he was saying yeah you go to the very bottom of what you everything you can bring to the table and then the Lord shows up with all his delicacy and delights and he just delivers up mm -hmm. delivers up himself to us and he's so gracious to do that Thank you, Lord. Well, this morning, I'm asking Lord how to take off with 
this message, and I, it, it, um, it starts out in Matthew 25, which many of you are probably familiar with. People uh, talk about the red letters. This is the, the Lord himself speaking out of the red letters. And so I, I wanted to read this, and then we just ask the Holy Spirit to give us a uh, understanding. Matthew chapter 25, verse 6, primary text this morning. But at midnight, there was a shout. Look, behold, pay attention to you. Get ready. Serious business. Look, get your eyes up. Get your eyes up like Stephen's seeing. Look, behold. The bridegroom is here. Come out to meet him. But at midnight there was a shout. Look. The bridegroom is here. Come out to meet him. Jesus, thank you this morning. Lift us up. Reveal yourself to us in this way that you would speak to us this morning. Uh, prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts for you. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, recently... And I, I don't know if y'all have seen this film. Again, when I say if you've seen this film, I, I'm not necessarily always suggesting things or being suggestive that you should watch a particular film. And you have to use God's wisdom in that. Uh, but there was a film that came out a number of years ago called Zero Dark Thirty. Any of y'all seen that? Well, Zero Dark Thirty is a film that's done on the uh, our uh, special forces going in with a thing, I believe it's called like Operation Neptune to take the, uh, the life of Osama bin Laden. And, they, and the reason why it's called Zero Dark Thirty because that's a military term that um, when I was in the service, when you wanted to talk about in the middle of the night, uh, because a lot of us, like I did, I worked a third shift when I was in the Air Force. And so uh, my shift would start like at 11 o'clock and then move to like seven in the morning. It's called mid-shift. And uh, a lot of times in the service, you know, they would say, uh, you've got like zero dark 30. And the idea in the service is, is that's 1230. Uh, it's, the, it's the middle of the night, it's, it's dark out. And the, uh, of course the sun's not shining. And so it's, it's really pitch black. And uh, you know, you would think that no work could happen in the middle of the night like that. And, uh, but we would be tasked, and I remember being in, um, I was in, uh, I served over in uh, Rihad, Saudi Arabia, served in uh, Doha, Qatar. It's like a little peninsula in the uh, Persian Gulf that sits off of the uh, Saudi Arabian major peninsula. And I also uh, served in Denmark and Germany and different places. And I would, a lot of times, I, I really liked, I actually preferred uh, the night. Uh, the moment of the night and uh, because it, there was something serene about the night like a stillness a lot of the activity of the day had ceased and I remember like 
I can remember every moment in the night better than I could in some ways today because um, the night, it, it quietens everything around you. And again, there's this sense of observation that your senses go up. Uh, you become a little bit more aware. You guys know if, if uh, I don't know if you do this, but when I get up in the middle of the night uh, and I go to the restroom or whatever, I come back through the house and I can't see, so I'll tap. I got all these tapping points. And I, I'll tap the right side of the door. Do you do this, Dad? Yeah. Uh, and I have these tapping points, and I just have this thing that I just know because I can't see, so I tap. And then I'll, I'll move through and I'll get back into my bed. And it's just something that's probably no one would ever know about. I don't even know if Kara does. You know, I'll tap, 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 tap. I got like five tapping points. And that's how I know how to navigate myself back to my bed. And so the middle of the night, there's a sense of sense has to, to be put on alert. I remember being in Germany. I could still, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in, uh, I believe I was in Heidelberg. And, uh, and I remember the snow all around us, the beautiful uh, whiteness of the snow. I wouldn't even have to even dress warm in the middle of the night as much, which is kind of strange. I, I wear my battle dress uniform pants, and I wore like a, a wool shirt with a t-shirt under it, I, and my boots and a regular pair of socks. I had these mammoth pants I would wear underneath my BDU uh, pants. I, I would be just as content as I could ever be in the middle of the night. I remember being in uh, Doha, Qatar, and in the desert, you know, it, versus Germany, you see all these trees, but in the desert, you, you know, you can see as far as your eyes can see, and the city is just quiet. I, I remember sitting on top of the F-15 Strike Eagle, I think it was 1997, I'm sitting on the edge of the ladder. I can still picture that moment of the night, like, so clear and imprinted in my memory. I remember in 1997, that's when I got my twist erase pencil. But anyways, I have, I have this pencil that I've, been, I've had since 1997 somewhere, my little my black twist erase pencil. Um, if you haven't had a twist erase pencil, please get one. It'll change your life. Yeah, remember, it's in my jacket right behind you, Dad. On the left hand, you have to always put your pencil in the same spot every time, or you will lose it. And I just remember sitting up there on the edge of the ladder off the F-15E, and I, I was just like, I'll never forget this moment of the night. It was beautiful. And um, in that place of Zero Dark Thirty, when things really seem to be descending, things maybe seem to get bad. Things feel like they're coming to a place of termination, maybe. I mean, especially in, in this nation and what we've been facing as a people, it could appear like with a lot of different ways, and I don't watch the news uh, because to me the news is right in the scripture. I don't necessarily need the news. I'm not faulting you if you do, but it gets my eyes off the wrong, onto the wrong thing. And in the middle of the night, in the middle of the darkness, when senses are now heightened, in this text, he says, look, what I can't necessarily see. I might not be able to see. So 
how am I going to look? I mean, how are we going to have our, uh, if our senses are dark and in the night, how are we supposed to look? Um, Psalms 13, he'll say, and the psalmist will say, Lord, enlighten my eyes, unless I sleep the sleep of death. Job 42, I believe it is, verse 5, Job says, after a horrific event in his life, I mean, he's been through it, so have you. You're God's remnant, you've been through it. You've been through it with family, you've been through it with finances, you've been through it with relationships, you've been through it. God's remnant has been through it. You all have, everybody here, and probably those that even would take time to listen to this podcast. They're remnant family, they, they, you've been through it. In a similar way like Job, and then Job will say something that's very, very uh, interesting and something that should be like heated. He says, my ears heard of you. I heard of you by the hearing of the ears. And then he says something very apropos for Matthew 25, verse 6. But now my eyes see you. God called Job the most righteous man probably on the face of the planet at that time. God, he said, if you consider my servant Job, it's a very righteous man. And he talks about earlier on in Job about this fire that would illuminate his mind. Um, there's this illumination that Job walked in. Job was, Job was a good man, Job said on the city council of elders. Job was, Job was able to direct the whole affairs of a whole city uh, in his day. Job had an expanded family, extended family. He took care of his whole family. Job was well provisioned. Job had everything going. Job seemed to be a good man. And yet Job will say, I heard about you. I mean, many in our culture today, are not, they don't, they're not running a good household. Job was. And even at the level of his patriarchy and the matriarchy of his wife, even at the level of who they were, he had only heard. If you could see why the Lord would have to bring a people of a remnant value through an exilic way to begin to open our eyes. Because we've heard, we've heard the message of Jesus, but who could say that we've seen him? Or that he sees us. God tells uh, Moses, before they go into the promised land, he said, these people are going to turn away from me. And he said, and so I'm going to hide my face from them. I'm hiding my face from them. I'm, I'm not going to let them see my face anymore. So they're going to think that everything's going good for them, but I'm going to hide my face from them. You'll, um, you're, you're very mindful of this, and I... You know, there's Moses, but later on you'll see Jacob. You remember Jacob, he'll meet God in Genesis 28. He has an angelic encounter, right? Remember the latter? I mean, how many today in the church are caught up with the angelic encounter on the ladder? And yet that's just Bethel. 
<laughs> That's just the house of God. That's not even the face of God of the house of God. I mean, I think if you hear what I'm saying, how far has mankind fallen? And we, oh, angelic encounter. I saw the Lord. I was having open visions. I saw into the second heavens. Great. Jacob did too, and he called it Bethel. But later on, he's going to come to El Bethel. He's going to begin to behold the God of the house of God. El means God. And y'all have heard me preach this. And then, and then it gets even more than let's get into Bethlehem, the house of bread, the place of obscurity. You know, Bethlehem, uh, we were talking about this this weekend. Bethlehem is the place where you're meant to be celebrated, but nobody knows about you. I mean, you really are meant to be celebrated, but nobody knows. You want to talk about an obscure place. Why, why would God carve out, take you into the greatness of the house of God, the Bethel of God? You've been in the house of God. Now you begin to know the God of the house of God. It's almost like you're jettisoned out of the house of God to know the God of the house of God. I don't know if this has happened to y'all. <laughs> I think some of us has either we've been forced out, kicked out, or left out. <laughs> you know, The watchmen even come and wounded and smacked us over the top of the head. The leadership of even the church didn't notice. God's working this work of the bride of the soul inside of man. He says, we got to go on, uh, sons and daughters. I'm bringing you from exile out of just hearing about me. I want you to know that I see you. And so, yeah, you get to Bethlehem and nobody knows. I mean, they don't know who you are. It's kind of like you're just sitting there. I don't know, is it like a knot on a log, as they proverbially say? <laughs> Am I ever going to be noticed? Am I ever going to be? And God has to implement Bethel and El Bethel and Bethlehem into our life. And, and it, this is what I want to get out about the, uh, the darkness of night. In the middle of the night or zero dark 30. The zero dark 30 is this, this idea that in Bethlehem, when everything is descending and growing into a place of darkness, when there's a, a darkness that is descending and the obscurity is getting even more pronounced, that a king is going to be born there. Micah chapter 5, right? You know this. That the king will come out of the middle of the night. When all the senses of our soul are longing for him. But what appears to be your moment of greatest obscurity. The moment of your greatest hiddenness is the moment of the greatest glory that is going to come in the church in the, into this age. God's been bringing us to a terminal place. A place that's not just based in hearing, but is based in the human soul beginning to see. Uh, Benjamin was born in Bethlehem. He's the only son born in the land of promise. And when his mama saw him, 
She said his name would be Benoni. Benoni means son of my sorrows. See, we, uh, we can misinterpret Bethlehem. He forgot about me. He's abandoned me. This is the moment of my, this is the moment of my greatest sorrow. Jacob will say, Jacob will say, not so. Now I'm going to tell you, it takes a difference in perception to be able to say something like Jacob said about Benjamin in Bethlehem and a perception of what we would see in Bethlehem. Not so. For his name shall be called Benjamin. He is son of my right hand. His mother dies and so does, her, so does, so does Benjamin's wet nurse, Deborah. How's that boy going to get the nutrition that he needs? How's he going to make it without a wet nurse? They didn't have formula in that day. There's something of the colostrum and everything I've learned. We've had six babies that the baby needs. The baby needs this, that milk. It's like they're going to be left without something. What about me? The baby, you know, I need my colostrum. <laughs> <laughs> It broke my whole train of thought. <laughs> Trying to preach over here. I need my nurture. I need my colostrum, right? I need my milk. I need to be taken care of. And he's not. And, and it, you know, we, I think sometimes we get this, um, we really got to understand this. We really got to get a hold of this, that the Father, by withholding certain things, is changing our perception. And some of us, we need certain things. And we think that the things that we need, that he's not giving us, that we're somehow, he's playing either hard to get with us, holding something back from us, or hurting us with something and making my life difficult. Now I thought you loved me, right? Bethlehem has everything to say about that. What about me? I'm, I'm hurting here. I need. Some, what about the? Uh, what about my friends? They mistreatment. I mean, in this case with Benjamin, my own mama's dead. My mama interpreted me wrongly. I'm going to tell you, your mama ever interprets you wrongly, that's pain. Mamas kind of know something about you. It's her maternal nature that loves you. This is special. But if a mama turns on you, that's pain, man. That's pain of the ultimate sort. I mean, daddies can be strict and bring some discipline, and we appreciate them for it. But if a mama says, I don't want to have anything to do with you, or I don't, I don't like you, or you've, you've made my life harder. That hurts. And then for her to die, and then he's like, well, at least I can get my milk from Deborah. Dead. Because Bethlehem is an exposure. Bethlehem's where our perception's going to have to change. Bethlehem is, is where we're going to learn.
There's another famous story in Bethlehem. Remember Ruth? Remember Elimelech? Did you know Elimelech? You know what his name means? You know what Eli means? Eli means my God. You know what Melech means? You should, being in this ministry. King, right? His name means my God is king. I mean, this guy has loyalty to, in his naming, to the max capacity. His name means my God is king. And do you know that? That guy went down to Moab, which means who's your daddy? (laughs) And he loses a generation. Same thing, same thing. You know what was happening in Bethlehem? I did some, like, historical studies on this. Raiders were coming up, and they were stealing out of the, uh, out of the uh, you know, the granaries of Judah. And uh, these tribes were, were being marauded because they didn't have defense systems in, because they, they had just come through a major war with Benjamin uh, and Judah, and there was a real problem with securing their environment. The brothers had been turning on each other, and Benjamin, who's a security guy, wasn't securing the environment because they almost killed every single one of them off, uh, Judah and the brothers had. And so they have a problem with securing the, uh, their fields and their agricultural life and their, their produce and everything. And so marauders were coming in, stealing out of their granaries. And Elimelech's like, I'm not going to stay in the land that all my brothers had paid the price to get ground in God that was the land of promise I'm fleeing out of this he wanted to jump ship because his finances were being troubled where's my milk where's my bread house of bread how are we going to take care of things listen remnant of God you have to understand we have to understand this our fa- I, I know this because my family's had to live in, in, in this. And the desire inside the human heart when the pressure comes, is my father in the house of bread going to take care of me? It, does he even see me? You men, you understand this, especially mothers do too, especially. But who's going to put bread on the table? How, we, how am I going to take care of the, these needs, these needs that we have? And the Lord would say to us, don't you get out of that land. Don't you go leave the place of obscurity for another land. It'll cut off another generation. You see what's going on in Bethlehem? You can see it in Ruth. You can see it with Jacob. It's a misinterpretation. Bethlehem is called the house of bread. It's interesting when you study the Hebrew on Moab, the language of Moab is almost identical to Bethlehem. It's just a little change of position. It's such a minor change in in the Hebraic language that you almost wouldn't even know it, that your heart was being directed away from the Father. It's very, very delicate. This place of delicacy in the human heart, this place where I'm holding on to something. Uh, Juliana was saying something about this weekend that a lot of times she said we reserve a little place in our heart. It says, I got my own thing, you know. And God is wanting to extract that out of us in Bethlehem. In the middle of the night. When zero dark 30 descends and a crown reaper comes. In the middle of the night, he's like, where are your eyes uh, going to be set? In the, middle of the, in the middle of the night, 
Who are you going to look at? Look, he says, behold, your bridegroom cometh. <laughs> I've been looking at a lot of other things in my life. We all have. I've been looking at this and that and this and that, measuring this and that, and the Lord's like, no, look, 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 look. The bridegroom cometh. It's going to take an intentionality. It's going to take a, uh, in, a in a way, some kind of disconnect from whatever is going on around us. It's going to take another set of senses. I was in um, part of our training in flight and aviation. They put you into a, uh, uh, a tube that's a, like a helicopter. Uh, what they do is they put like five of us men in there and they put you in full gear with your parachute thing on and then they strap you in your five-point harness they put goggles on us and then they black out our goggles and then they take the whole tube and they dunk it into the water and turn it upside down and then you have to get out of your five-point harness with all your gear on go through the water and find a way out and it, that is not necessarily the best feeling I, I can still remember that like as yesterday you know <laughs> zero dark 30 is not comfortable it's not a comfortable place now I remember telling myself this before I go down into the waters I found these points of reference in the uh, aircraft shell I was going to pull myself in one direction and I said I'm going to contract my bicep in this direction I was like I'm going to grab these holds and because you can't you get completely disoriented and I'm going to pull in one direction and I'm getting out of this thing because if we fail that twice we failed our flight program I mean it wasn't like the, the pressure wasn't on you you don't pass this the way I looked at it is I don't pay the bills you either have it or you don't because right before our team went in this we have one young lady that was in aviation and they dunked that thing and she got disoriented and she is screaming and yelling and they have divers in the water they jerk that thing up out of there she's flying all over the place freaking out and because this is a tendency that we can have in the middle of zero dark 30. and the lord is training the senses of the bride Eyes on me. Eyes on me. What? Look at me. Get your handholds. The Lord's not unaffectionate. I mean, He's massively affectionate. Do you know how I've learned to get to know Him? Is by His emotions. I feel Him drawing us. I'm like. Uh wherever that's going I'm going wherever you're going I want to find you I don't care where it is anymore uh, oh, where's the bride where's the bridegroom going <laughs> Kara being married to her she's like this you know she sees me smile she looked at me this morning she's checking my eyes right right into bed this morning are, are, are you okay I said I couldn't be better she said oh I'm so glad to hear that she just rolls her little head up on 
my chest. I'm holding her. And then she looks at me. Are you sure you're okay? I said, honey, I'm so glad I couldn't take it. She said, I love you. I was like, I love you. I was like, I love you so much. Uh, she said, you do, you do, are you sure? I was like, I'm going to go three times on this. I just told you. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I said, honey, you're so special to me. and You're beautiful. I love you. You do, you do? And then, you know, love. Triplets are coming. It's it's amazing though. I believe the Lord is like you know, we look up at him and say, you love me? And it just, man, it messes with him, I think. I think I'm finding out it messes with him. He said, man, I'm going to come hang out with you. And you get your gaze on him. You set your eyes on the Lord. In the middle of the night, do you think that God would not ordain Bethlehem? Do you think he wouldn't ordain Zero Dark Thirty in our life? Yes, he would. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. The Lord's mean. No, he's not. You think that he would not want your whole perception to be turned towards him? He knew what was best for us. He, he always knew that the only thing that would be good for any of us was our complete and utter gaze was beholding the Lord. He knew that the human soul in all its vacancy and darkness was made for him. He, he knew it. He knew, and he knew that there would be a day when the pain would begin to leave. He knew that he could, he could heal every wound and bind up every pain and bring that flame of love and fire, and it would begin to consume the human soul, and the human soul would be burned and radiated, and now fire would come on the human soul, and the flame of love would just spark and ignite and he knew that the only way to bring that about was in the middle of the night you know uh, Pete Lineker gives a word like five or six months ago he said 1230 is coming 1230 is coming on this ministry and he says uh, as with Carol and Carol said you know uh, can we get he said can we get lunch he said no I can't get lunch with you Pete I'm getting on a train I'm going on this path. He says, it'll happen at 1230. And he said, it'll be the middle of December. And I mean, Pete nailed this prophetic word, man, like, nailed it. I remember 1212, we're up there singing it. Why am I, uh, Stephen singing and 1212. Um, and we had just installed a nun. But we're going through the Hebrew letters and the nun came in. And, uh, you know, Adonai, and Stephen stands up there and he sings Adonai. And, man, I thought it knocked me off my whole foundation. We had finally had the Aleph and the Dalit. Now the Nun was installed with a Yod. Now we had Adonai. And I remember that moment of Adonai, which means my master. They said that that was the base word for the Garden of Eden, Adonai. He means the sovereign Lord. Now he, he sang that, man. Y'all should listen to that, 1212. 
12, 15, that day, I'm like saying to the Lord, like, I felt like I was talking to the Father through Isaiah while he was talking to me. That is the strangest thing. It was glorious. 12, 15, I woke up that morning and the Lord says, lead me a second exodus. I said, whatever you say, Lord. There's an exodus coming to the remnant. There's going to be a third temple. The third temple is built inside of man. There's a literal third temple, yes. But there's a micro-narrative. I'm building a third temple inside of man. I'm going to glorify man. I'm going to exit the, I'm going to exit the remnant right into my glory. Exit to millennium. <laughs> that morning I was like, man, 12-15. Lineker, Doug Lineker nails it. The Lord told me to call him Doug Lineker. He doesn't have a middle name, by the way, so his middle name is The. <laughs> the Lord calls him Dolineker. I love that. I mean, I love when the Lord called himself Hashem, the name. <laughs> well, he calls him Dolineker. It's pretty pronounced. It's pretty, am pretty amazing guy, by the way. 1230 happens to be Karen and I's anniversary. 21 years, uh, and then we head to York, Pennsylvania, and that's an amazing story. And we get on a, we actually get on a train actually up there too, in York, and um, it's in the middle of the night. Things look like they're descending. Is the moment of the greatest move of God that will happen on the face of this planet. Exit to millennium. A second exodus is upon us. It's right there in the servant songs of Isaiah. I said, Lord, this is incredible. I mean, who could know? But in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, when it looks like everything has got worse and went from bad to worse, God would say, behold, your bridegroom cometh. <laughs> Look up. Oh, now you give us eyes to see, Lord. I was tapping out in the bedroom trying to get back to my bed. I didn't know where I was going. He said, oh, I'm going to give you x-ray. I'm going to give you another kind of vision. I'm going to give you a vision of me. I'm going to give you a vision of ecstatic union. I'm going to come and be among you. I'm going to come, and it says this in Zechariah chapter 2. He gave me this other night. I want you to, hear, to see this because it really impacted me. I was like, this is amazing. Zechariah chapter 2. Zechariah 2.10, sing out and be happy, Zion, my daughter. For look, I have come and I'm going to settle with you in your midst, says the Lord. I'm going to settle down with you. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord on the day of salvation, and they will also be my people. Indeed, I'm going to, he says it again. I think he's like trying to, you know, the Lord says something two times. He's really trying to make a point because we really, I, I'm going to tell you, I've been, I don't know if you deal with this. I deal with this all the time. This can't be, is this really happening? I'm like, pinch yourself. The Lord's hanging out with us. Yeah, you know, oh, it's him. This isn't some kind of like 
pageantry like we're doing some kind of Christmas cantata. This isn't some kind of fraternal and sorority mixed together like in some Greek letters. We're not doing a Christmas cantata. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. The Lord's in our midst. I'm tired of doing pageants. I want to dress up. I want to be in the story. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? When authenticity and integrity behold the Lord inside of you, the replacement for adultery and idolatry, authenticity and integrity comes into your soul and you're really, really you. And yet you're actually being able to basically play because he paid for it. And out of your playful life is the work of God comes out of you. I mean, you're coming to settle in our midst. Daddy's coming home. Daddy who's in charge. In the middle of the night. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. I'm going to come and settle in your midst. I'm going to say it twice. I'm going to say it again. You know why I'm going to keep saying it? I want you to believe me. Then you'll know the Lord that rules over all has sent me to you. The Lord will take possession of Judah. Man, I got really excited about that one. Being a Judean myself, I was like, oh, you're going to take possession? Oh, you take possession. <laughs> I give you the full rights. You know, years ago, I was like, don't you mess with me. I don't. I mean, I'm asking you to, but I don't really want you to. <laughs> I don't actually want you to be in charge. <laughs> I like being in charge myself, <laughs> to come to think of it. You know, because every time the Lord comes to take charge, you're like, <clears throat> don't you know who's in charge here? I'm in charge. <laughs> no, I'm in charge. Oh, you asked me to come. You asked me, you said you were going to let me come and take charge. Why do you keep on rejecting me? Well, that hurts really bad. I didn't know that was what you meant. Well, you got a lot of selfishness. You got a lot of wrong ideas. I, I'm coming to take charge. I want to deal with all that. I'm going to burn it all out. I'm going to settle with you. I'm going to, Judah's my portion in the Holy Land, and I'm going to choose Jerusalem once again. Be silent in the Lord's presence, all people everywhere. Oh, man. You see what it says? The Lord's being moved to action to come to his holy dwelling place. I went to bed on that one the other night, and I was like, I'm like, I'm going to bed with gladness. I'm waking up with gladness. I'm like, you're being moved to action, Lord. He set this up. It's not some random text for me. Everything the Lord does is not random, right? You find out everything's purposeful. I never, it's like I never even read my Bible. You know, people that are like into all the extra biblical stuff, I'm like, guys, you can do that if you want. But this Bible is amazing. I mean, go ahead, but the 66 books are loaded. I mean, it's more than you can hardly take. It'll blast all your circuits every day, all day long. And if once you get it into English, wait till you read it in the original languages. You're like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm being moved to action. 
Hey, behold, your bridegroom cometh. This is upon us right now. This isn't like down there. There's a first fruits company. I, Christ the first fruits. There's a first fruits company called a, uh, well, some of y'all remember me saying this a long time ago. In Haggai, they call them the remnant, but in, I think, they call them the residue. <laughs> That's us, guys. <laughs> It's like, we're the uh, residue of the remnant. <laughs> we're the stardust of the family. <laughs> we're the family of El. We're the family of the royal, we're the royal family, we're the, of the royal king. The Lord's being moved to action. So he's being moved to action and we're being moved like this. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. He's being moved to action. We're saying, behold, look, 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 look. The bridegroom's coming. We're saying this in our soul. Our, our hearts are being moved and being stirred by this theme of God. The bridal heart has been prepared for him. He's drawing him. I got to come to that dwelling place where I was made to dwell. Just keep looking up at you, Lord, and he keeps getting closer. The eyes of the Lord. Now it's moved from Bethel, house of God, El Bethel, God of the house of God, Bethlehem, Peniel. The face of the God of the house of God. To now, listen, the eyes of the face of the God of the house of God. We're down to the eyes. I'm looking at you. I had what called me out of the Air Force 18 years ago, almost a little over 18 years ago. I looked up, his dad said, look a man in his eyes. And, and there where he was, towering figure, saw eyes of love, blazing fire, diamonds, like appearance in his eyes. I locked up with those eyes. Scared the living daylights out of me until I looked into his eyes. And while I was looking into his eyes, he said, I'm the Holy Spirit. He was outside the church. He wasn't in it. MZ Hop, we went through completely 10 plants. We planted that ministry 10 times. Well, it went from seven times MZ Hop Two times double OMZ, one time collider. <laughs> whatever iteration it takes to behold it, whatever it takes to get locked up with the very eyes of God. Whatever form has to be, all the boxes that have to be tore up. Whatever it takes. So we can see him seeing us, seeing him staying that way. So now, eyes of God. Gaze is getting locked up and you know what's happening? We're looking and he's looking at us and he's saying, behold, the bridegroom comes. Some of us have been so focused on the oil. I mean, we're supposed to get oil, right? We get the oil, we become the oil, we're set ablaze. 
We're on fire. Some, it really blew me away when he said, I'm Hashem. He himself is not the oil. <laughs> Do you see the difference? Like in phase, phase one of our paradigm is oil factory. Phase two is Shulamite prototype. It's just so beyond just the oil. It's so beyond just being the sons of oil. The, the Melchizedek. You see the difference? He himself is his own uncreated being. This is beholding him for who he is. Not about us, but loves us. It's beginning to behold the one who fashioned everything. Genesis 1.1. out and be happy old Zion together the Lord's coming to settle in our midst in the middle of the night the train is ramping up speed zero dark 30 has been upon us but out of the middle of the darkness right you know this Isaiah lights gonna break forth Christ in us the hope of glory even in the middle of gross darkness covering the people, a light has shown. A light is coming forth. A light that radiates and is the energy of God that radiates through us as people. It's going to literally change the course of history and change the globe. All I'm saying is, God, and all God would say is, He's going to start somewhere. Hey, why not start with us? I mean, he, start, he started this fire. Now, I can't, we can't be responsible for every brother and sister on the known planet right now. But you can be responsible with you. You can say, you know what, Lord, right now, help me not to look at it. Help me not to look at other things. Help me get my eyes on you. It's a constant retraining. It's a constant turning. Something's trying to tell me Somebody else is doing something and irritating the living daylights out of whatever. You know what I mean. Problems are trying to rise up around us and keep our eyes fixed on something else. No, 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 no. Eyes on me. I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. I repent. We're raising six children, and I can tell you something that's helped my kids more than anything. It's not telling them what they shouldn't do that's helped them. It's actually telling them who he is. This morning, Leander, he said something kind of crass. And uh, Kara, she said, don't you say that, you know. And... Um, I, he comes over to me, his eyes kind of are dim. His eyes are dim, you know, and I could, you ever see dimness in someone's eyes? And Leander's got like real bright eyes, even though they're brown, but there's a dimness. And uh, I brought him over there and I said, I said, son, um, certain language puts different images into our mind. And I was like, the language that you're using, the thing that you just said, 
it could cause an image into people's minds that would be inappropriate. And you can't talk like that. And I say, you know how you've heard some cuss words sometimes and, you, and we tell you, you know, we don't talk like that. He said, yeah, daddy. I said, you know, we're not getting on to, to you about this. What, we want, what I want you to understand is you have to be careful with your language. You have to be careful with what you say. And I said, look at me, boy, look at me. His eyes are dim. I said, you know, me and mama, we love you. We love you so much. Behold, I want you to behold something different than what's not right. I want you to behold who is. You see the difference? We think this difference is subtle, and it is a little, but this is a massive difference between you've heard me preach about plus plus and plus negative. Because I can tell him what I can tell him that he's wrong. But I can also point to what is right. Who is right? And I watch his little eyes go from dimness to more brightness. It literally, right in front of my eyes, I watch his eyes begin to change. Repentance, when, when, when Job is saying, I repent, do you know what he's saying? He's saying, I behold the Lord. And when I behold him, I become like him. So repentance isn't looking down into myself and saying, I messed up again and I just blew it. Repentance is the beholding of the Lord. You're beholding the one who is good and perfect and righteous. You're beholding him. See, the enemy wants to get us into plus negative thinking, beholding someone else doing wrong or beholding ourselves. The Lord says, stop doing that and behold me. Look, your bridegroom cometh. You see the difference? Shall Leander have said what he did, even though he's joking around about things he shouldn't be saying. No, he shouldn't do that. But how am I going to help him to understand it? We're going to help him to understand it by understanding the way it should be, the way things are. Now, Leander, I pray, will be less crass with his language because he, what he said could be offensive to a lot of people, actually. When we're saying, look, behold, your bridegroom cometh, we're saying, behold the one who is God, who is good and righteous and true. Let that light reflect back on me. The beautiful thing about God is when you look at him and behold him, he will change you to look like him. That's the amazing thing about him. I can't do that for Leander. I can just point him to him. I can't change him. I can just, I can just, I can remit his sins. Now, I can forgive him, which is transforming. But I, can, I don't have the power to transform his soul. In that sense, I can't do that. What sins you remit will be remitted, and what sins you retain will be retained. So it's a beholding of the Lord, or uh, Tom McManus has pointed this out. The metanoia is the Greek. To behold him is to become like him. When you see him as he is, you shall become like him. 1 John 3, 2. 
the Lord took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Not the blood of the plus negative, but the blood of the plus plus. It's been poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face, his eyes to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.